Please and turn to the epistle of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy in chapter number 5. We'd like to read the first 16 verses of the chapter. That's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Allow me to read verse number 1 and the succeeding odd-numbered verses. Would you please begin reading with me in verse number 2, along with the seven succeeding even-numbered verses through verse number 16. And once again, in respect to the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to stand once again... I invite you to stand. 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 through 16, and reading responsively. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she hath washed the saints' feet, if she hath received, afflicted, if she hath diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may be that are widows indeed. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, take these words, Lord, as I think in my mind, Lord, I don't think I've ever in my lifetime heard a message preached on 1 Timothy 5 from this passage of Scripture on a Sunday morning. Lord, so this is some new material for some of us. pray you'd speak to our hearts. I pray for our widows especially. pray for those ladies in our church that are without husband, especially the aged, we pray. Lord, help us understand this people group, and Lord, may we be responsive to them, we pray. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach on an exciting subject. Well, maybe not so much, but I want to preach about, are you ready? Widows this morning. I don't think I've ever preached, in fact, I'm quite sure I've never preached a message on Sunday morning ever, nor have I ever heard a message on widows, 
And yet this passage of scripture before us in this people series that we've been on for now nine Sundays, 11 actually, but a couple in between weeks, but it has more on this subject of this people group than any other people group that we've looked at or will look at in the couple of, next couple of weeks. And we've looked at young men from chapter one. We preached a message on lost men from chapter one. We saw a message on, we preached a message on Sanctity of Life Sunday on babies. We saw and preached a message on leaders, especially political leaders in chapter two. Later on in chapter three, we preached a message on pastors and then on deacons. A couple of weeks ago, we preached a message on apostates. And last Sunday, it was me in an echo chamber and <laughs> pardon me, just a handful of you made it to church and understandably so, the weather was pretty adverse last Sunday. And... Uh, but for the handful that were here, we preached a message on, on uh, old men. Now, I could entitle this message just this morning. I was thinking about naming it old ladies, but I didn't think that would fly over, go, go over too big. So instead, we're going to use the Bible word that we read about here, the word elders, of course. And a lengthy passage of Scripture again. In the Bible, let me just add this, and we'll begin this morning here in, in way of uh, the actual outline. But uh, the Bible is a very practical book. And the Bible speaks a lot about these, these widows, of course, these elderly ladies. I could use that term, elder ladies. And uh, it speaks more about this elder ladies than any other people group, again, that we've mentioned or will mention, including the next couple, three Sundays as we finish out this series on people. With that said, I want you to notice we started in verse number one, and I just have a three, trying to make the outline easy, but I just have three major points that didn't even have a fill in the blank for you. But we want to look at moms and families, and then widows with and without kids, then thirdly, of course, in uh, Roman numeral three, of course, we want to look at uh, widows in the church in the minutes that we have together. Let's, let's pray one more time ask God to give us the clarity of thought and uh, of mind as we study these words here. Heavenly Father, once more I pray that you, Spirit of God, might illuminate your word. For this reason why nearly 16 verses in one section of the Bible is on this address to this subject, it must be important. Lord, I pray for all of our senior saints in general. I pray for our ladies especially. The Lord's prayer blessing be upon them as well. Bless those within the sound of this voice. We'll thank you for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice this morning here as we begin, verse number five is or verse number one where we started last week and we looked at the subject of old men last week. The Bible says, Rebuke or speak not harshly to an elder. That word elder is the word presbyteros we studied. It's talking about elder gentlemen, and we, read, we preached in the last half of this chapter, last several verses of chapter 5, and we talked about the, the ruling elders, as we had message of, of course. But the Bible says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And then we skip down to verse number 2. The elder women, the word elder there is the, the Greek word or the, in the feminine form, that word presbyteros, except for it's in the feminine, obviously. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity, with all holiness and all godly and godliness and reverence. But I want you to do, I just have bullet points this morning here. I want to just be real practical if I can this morning here. We deal with this first subject this morning of families and moms. Families and moms or families and widows, families and single ladies. We can stretch the context a little bit here to make one interpretation but many applications we read from verse number three, notice what it says in verse number three, the first word, honor. Honor widows 
that are widows indeed. Now, by the way, you find that phrase, widows indeed, three times later on in verse 5, we see it for the second time, and then again in verse number 16, we'll find it for the third time. And we'll talk, touch on that here in a few moments. But I want you to know the Bible tells us that we are to honor mom. We live in a day where, where there's not much honor, there's not respect for older people, and sometimes there's not respect for moms and not respect for dads. I want you to raise your hand if you would, please. If you have a mom that's still living, raise your hand. All right, now, put your hands down here. How many have a grandmother that's still living? Yeah, obviously a lot less. How many have a great-grandmother that's still living? Oh, we have one. I, I was expecting not to see any hands at all. But there'll be a day when no great-grandmothers are be living. There'll be a day when no grandmothers will be living, or your grandmothers, if Lord Terry's is coming. And then, of course, a day when no mom is around either. But the Bible's very clear. We referenced it last week, and I'll reference it again. Ephesians 6, 2. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, the fifth of the ten commandments, the first commandment with promise. And here's the promise. Ephesians 6, 3. That it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. The Bible says we are to honor our moms. And every one of us here, you still have a mom to honor. By the way, it doesn't say a mom that's a Christian mom. I won't ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have, don't raise your hand, please. How many of you have a Christian mom? How many of you have a non-Christian mom? Don't raise your hand, please. But the Bible doesn't make a distinguishment on who we should honor in regards to whether they're a saved mom or an unsaved mom. Honor your mom. The Bible makes that a, a command here in the scripture. Honor widows that are widows indeed. Honor widows. And those that are specifically widows indeed. So... We are to honor mom, but then we are to be, verse number four, look what it says, verse four. But if any widow have children or nephews. Now, by the way, this is one of those times where our King James Bible, of course, uh, is, has some archaic words. This is one of those times, that word nephews in, in Shakespeare's, by the way, it's one of those words that have changed its meaning. And in Shakespeare's Othello, in the play, of course, Nephews, and it was 300, 300 plus years ago now, almost 400 years ago, admittedly, that Nephews was synonymous for grandchildren as well. And so the Bible says, honor your, honor your, uh, if any have a widow, have children, children and grandchildren need to honor and show piety at home first to their widowed mother or widowed, widowed could be grandmother for that matter those great-grandchildren would have you. And so bullet point number two is simply this, that that means if we're to honor mom or honor, honor widows, we're to be kind to her. Kindness is a God thing. Aren't you glad we have a good shepherd? He's a kind shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He speaks about one of the fruits of the Spirit is to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let me ask you this, and of course, no hands, rhetorically speaking, how many of you had a parent that, in your mind, did you wrong or did maybe a mom, maybe a dad? Can I, can I get to just good, good preaching in regards to this? Get over it! Grow up! As if you're not a sinner yourself. I just feel a little bit better here. I got a little bit of... Oh, I had to wake myself up a little bit here. Amen. Be kind. The Bible makes it very clear. Be kind. It doesn't say, well, they weren't kind to me. Well, they're probably more kind than you deserved, maybe. I don't know. But that doesn't mean we can't be kind in return. It's a God thing. And the Bible commands it to show piety, to show kindness, to show grace and reverence 
in hospitality towards that aged widow. And so be kind to her. Then verse number four goes on to say, showing then to first show piety at home, and then the second half of the verse, and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. That word requite means to repay. Repay your mom. Bullet point number three. After all, she paid for you. Hey, young people, I got news for you. Your parents are paying for you. You know, we got an ungrateful society, but I, and I hate to use, I say I know myself better than anybody, of course. I grew up with myself. <laughs> so when I went to college back in 1976, I went to, I crammed, I was a very studious student, and I crammed four years of college into five. You'll figure it out. And, uh, and I paid for pretty much all my college education. I worked all four years of college, played some sports as well. I think my parents at the time, I, I, I don't, years have gone by and I'm a little foggy, but I think they gave me $500 towards college. Now, that was a lot of money back then, $500 for, five, for four years of college. I thank God for them. They, they didn't have to give me $1, one penny for college. They raised me for 20 years. I had a free bed to, to sleep in. I had my own room. Well, I shared it with some brothers, but... I got food on my table. I got more than a whole lot of other people. I got bicycles bought to me or given to me. And we live in a day where, and they did that, did that for 20 years. I saw mom and dad, of course, Monday and Tuesday we were out in Ohio. And I've, I've felt this way for many years. They took care of me for 20 years. I think equal opportunity, I might have to take care of them for 20 years. <laughs> But I don't think that'll happen because mom's going to live to be 100, I believe. And the fact of the matter is they're, they're in pretty good shape for 80-something-year-olds. And the fact of the matter is, though, that I need to repay. We need to repay our moms. We need to repay our, because they paid so much for us. That leads me to the last thought in regards to verse 4. For this is good and acceptable before God, the Bible says. But take care of mom. She took care of you. Not just monetarily, I'm not speaking just financially now, I'm talking about lovingly. Take care of mom. Nobody loves you like mom loves you. I've told the story many times, and I, still, I reminded my mom the last time we were out there was and, uh, when we went, uh, went to the neighbor, the pond, to go to the neighbor's swimming hole to swim, and my mom couldn't swim. I've told the story a number of times. My brother was out in there to about 10, 15 feet out in deep water. And, of course, he didn't know how to swim. He was like maybe seven years old or so. And the bigger boys were pushing him out on the inner tube and no life jacket. And they started rocking the inner tube and the inner tube flipped over. And mom, just like superwoman that she was, just ran in, dived in, jumped into the water. And uh, before he knew, we had two people try to save from drowning to death, of course. Mom couldn't swim, of course, but she was going to save her child, even if it cost her her life, of course. But we need to take care of mom. She took care of us. And then real practical, let me give you a practical thought in regards to families and moms or families and widows. Maybe you need to consider adopting a mom or a widow without children. Some widows and some single ladies have never had any children. You know, that's where the, the genius of God's design for the local New Testament church. And I had to do this quickly, but I'd like to preach for several minutes. But let me just say it this way. Singleness is, a, is not a bad thing. Singleness is a good thing. 
And sometimes, in fact, there's a worldwide church, you know who I'm referring to here in a moment. And sometimes we, Bible preaching preachers, sometimes make too much fun of them in this regards because they have a, a group of ladies that are, that are cloistered, for, I think, for the better, lack of a better word or for terminology, that they're giving themselves to singleness and a group of men that are giving themselves to singleness. And we bash that because the Bible says that, that, uh, that marriage is honorable in all things. God's ordained marriage and God, God's ordained uh, children and so forth. And, and at the same time, I think maybe we go a little bit too far when we, we bash that crowd that gives themselves, maybe at least sincerely, they give themselves for a cause. They think it's for God at least. But there's, the point is, it's, it's all right to be single. It's all right, maybe God's called you to be single. You're not a second-class Christian or a second-class citizen or a second-class church member. And maybe, in regards to this adoption, maybe you ought to consider adopting another single, older, i.e., lady in the church, a widow lady or a single lady that never had children. When I was a boy, I, I, we just talked about her a few days ago, a little well-offended, and I've told the story many times. She's about four foot tall, never drove a car in her life. Her sister, Jessie, who was about four inches taller than she was, they were both two single unmarried ladies, never got married. They lived in a little white house. I mean, I would dare say, in fact, yeah, I'm quite sure of it, that this platform would probably be bigger than their whole house was. I mean, still can see the upright piano in the little small uh, dining room area that we met in, or rather uh, living room area that we met in. And just a just a little four four room house, little 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 tiny. But Jesse and Luella, they were sisters, godly sisters. They never drove. They never had any children. Obviously, they never were married. Luella would pray for us. She couldn't get to church three miles away. Nobody could take her to church, and so she decided to have church in her house and have all of us neighbor kids walk to Sunday school. And that's what we did for years. I've told the story many times, but. Luella, I remember as a 10-year-old boy, 9-year-old boy, 8-year-old boy, 11, 12-year-old boy, whatever it was, uh, I started, church didn't, wasn't cool after about 12 or so. About 13, I started, I quit coming to Luella's Sunday school. But I remember she would put her little finger out and she said, Martin, I'm praying for you that you'd be a preacher. You're going to be a preacher someday. I, said, <laughs> I remember laughing. <laughs> I didn't laugh in front of her face. I knew better. But I knew there's no way that I was ever going to be a preacher. No possible way I was going to go to the Marines for the gym or I was going to be a real man. I was going to be a carpenter. I was going to do, I was going to, last thing in the world I ever thought I was going to be was to be a preacher. But Luella prayed for me and she prayed and said I would be a preacher. And me and a guy named Larry Wilbur, I was reminded of him just a few days ago. Larry's a preacher to this day. Larry was one of those little boys that she prayed for to be a preacher as well. And we were one of our six pallbearers in her, uh, that when I was a 15-year-old boy, that we, we that were pallbearers in her funeral. But uh, she prayed for us. She took care of us. We didn't take care of her too well, I have to admit. But uh, I think of one more story. I remember uh, thinking about it. Even as a little boy 50 years ago, 12-year-old boy, I got paid to rake their leaves in their yard. It took me hours. It took me several days to Raked their, rake their leaves and their, their, what I thought was a big lawn, maybe the size of this auditorium. And, uh, and I remember, I can't remember the exact pay, but I, I remember I'm, I'm pretty exact accurate. I was like, it was like 25 cents or 50 cents I got paid. And even back then, I remember thinking, this is pretty cheapo. 
this is not too much money. I worked hard for this. This is like a nickel an hour I was getting. And, uh, but I look back on it, and, I, and now my mind, 40 years later, I say, wow. They really probably had to sacrifice to give me that money. This is before the age of government welfare and before the age of uh, where somebody else take care of you. They just took care of themselves, and that's why they lived in that little home that I never thought about too much. And they lived very meagerly and very, very uh, humbly because they were widows. They were widows indeed. Maybe consider adopting a mom or a widow without children. Then Roman numeral 2 and point 2 of 3. What about widows with and without kids? Well, a... What about widows with kids? Let's skip down to verse number 8 for time's sake. It says, verse 8, But if any provide not for his own. Now in the context, it means obviously providing for his own, for those that are widows amongst them, or their maybe a grandmother, maybe a mother again, and especially for those of his own house. So maybe you need to provide for Somebody else's widow, that maybe somebody, uh, uh, a mother, or rather, uh, excuse me, a, a single lady that never had children, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and the Bible says, and is worse. How can you be worse than an infidel? The Bible says if you don't provide for your widow, loved one, you're worse than an infidel. Now that's strong words. So I want you to consider this morning here, first of all, support, secularly speaking or monetarily speaking. Now I know we don't have time to go into this launch, but just a sound bite. About 70, 80 years ago, we decided to have social security in our country and have the government take the place of families, take the place of churches. And I'm not against social security. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying we adopted a new path. Many years ago now, we said we're going to have the government take care of uh, what the family should take care of. It's interesting that, in look at verse number 16, the Bible goes on to say this, If any man or woman that believeth hath widows, let him relieve them, or let them relieve them, relieve the church, that is, and let not the church be charged, that it may, be, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. This support monetarily, we've let the we've seated our the church and families have seated our our loved ones or our, our widows' well-being to the state, to government, to uh, social security, to a pension. I want you to consider, secondly, if you would please consider mom as an asset, not a liability. I talked to Pastor Parmer yesterday. Now I have to be careful here. I know some of you. I don't want to be harsh. I'm at the Valerie Manor. I've been going there for 33 years for nursing home services. And I know there's some people that need professional help and so forth and have nobody themselves to take care of but themselves to be taken care of by. But when I went to India almost 30, 30 years ago now, 1.2 billion, there's something in India that's absent. There's no nursing homes in India. How can that be? Well, families, 83% Hindu population, families take care of widowed mom and grandma. And if there is no, is this a single lady or a widow, the neighborhood takes care of them. This is in a pagan society for the most part. There was a day, and young people, and I don't mean to sound fresh or smart aleck with you, but there was a day when there was no such thing as called government assistance. People took care of people. 
I personally kind of think that it would be better to be that, that, that uh, way, but uh, a lot of people don't agree with me, but that's beside the point. But consider mom as an asset, not a liability. Consider widows an asset. Grandparents used to be honored in our country, but that, I'm afraid, it's a couple generations have gone by and that's no longer the case. This modern-day industrial revolution, some people have, uh, have traced it back to World War II and beyond, where grandparents were considered a, a problem, a nuisance, and older people. And now we talk about things, such things as euthanasia and just a, you know, quality of life and ending life, and that's another day, another subject. But here the Bible tells us that we are to honor, uh, secularly honor our parents and take care of them monetarily and realize that they're an asset to our family and to our church and our community, not a liability. But what about widows without kids? Verse 5 once again. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God. Notice that this, this phrase for the third time now, verse, verse uh, 4 no, verse 3, excuse me, verse 5 and verse 16, has that phrase three times, widows indeed. This means real widows. Now, the Bible gives a qualification, and we're going to get to the rules here in a few minutes. But real widows, and that, the Bible tells us that with their widows indeed, the next succeeding verses, we don't need to turn to Acts 6 for sake of time, but Acts 6, 1, we read that in the church at Jerusalem that there were Widows that were neglected in the daily ministration. Some widows were being taken care of and some widows were not being taken care of. And it's the churches, in this case, the church should step up. And Brother Jim, I didn't know he was going to preach on this, but this morning he did our Sunday school and he did on, on James chapter 2 about faith without works is dead. Show me thy faith by thy works. And one thing as a church family, and I'm being real practical now, God's called us to take care of widows indeed. He's commanded us. This is not an option. And so these, uh, that brings me to point number three here, Roman numeral three, widows in the church. Notice again in verse five, it says, let me start the verse again. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God. Notice that godly widows will, first of all, trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Again, i got to be careful a little bit this morning, because I have two sons-in-laws here this morning, and I have, have two daughters-in-laws, and uh, two daughters, rather, not in-laws, <laughs> two daughters. And I got grandkids. I got some extra grandkids up from Virginia. As most of you know, we're about ready to have number 13 grandkid. And we were down in Virginia this week here. We got back Friday night. Actually, we did a 10 state tour. Jonathan and my son-in-law is getting stationed down in Camp Lejeune here in a couple of months here. And we went all the way down to North Carolina on Wednesday, I guess it was. Wednesday. I mean, we drove like 800 miles on Wednesday. It was a long day, to say the least. But anyhow, and uh, came back on Thursday. But uh, I, I was reminded and. I hope my sons-in-laws, I hope my, my daughters, and I hope my grandchildren will take care of me when I grow up, when I get old. But they may not. And here's the real fact of the matter is, my hope shouldn't be in my grandchildren. My hope shouldn't be in my, grand, uh, uh, my, my sons or sons-in-laws or daughters. My hope should be in the Lord. 
And your hope should be in the Lord. And it's, it's a affront against Christ to not have your hope in the Lord. I want to I keep working. I want to keep preaching as long as I can until the day I drop. I want to keep on serving God. And I want to be an asset, not a liability. And God says this about widows, that her trust ought to be in God. And then it goes on to say, verse 5, and continue in supplication and prayers. Notice bullet point number two, that godly widows are to be a great prayer warrior. I put in the bulletin in the word from the pastor, they should be a great powerhouse. Worsby said they should be a powerhouse in the church. I think one of the most valuable and ladies, I'm not you, you handful of widow ladies I'm talking to, I'm not trying to butter you up or trying to, to, to even make you, give you a false psychological up or whatever you want to call it. I'm just telling you the truth. If, if you're a godly widow, you're a blessing to our church, a great blessing, and all God's people said. I mean, more than we realize, more than, it's an intangible blessing. It's, uh, it's a blessing that when we get to heaven, we'll realize that all, all parts of the body, are, the church body, are so important that one of the great, great spiritual parts of the whole church are those godly widows that prayed for God's power and God's blessing. I'll just, I guess I'll say it here. I learned, by the way, this week, I have to be careful. We're now taping our messages. And I found out this week a certain somebody that's listening to our messages online is like, oh, no, I got to be careful with my illustrations. So I, I got to be careful with my illustrations even, even here. But, but uh, now, boy, that's good. I just left my mind what I was going to say. So I guess I was supposed to say it here. So I guess I won't say it. So... But uh, they should be prayer warrior. And uh, it'll probably come to me about three minutes from now where I was going to go with that one. But uh, widows should be a great prayer warrior. Thirdly, look at what it says in verse number five, last, part, last phrase. They should continue in supplication and prayers night and day. Uh, godly widows devote their, their, her last years to the church. Now that may spike, uh, to, might uh, strike you wrong. When I made the point, this is my point for the record. In fact, they're all my points. I don't know if that's good or bad. But when I made this point, I said, well, that sounds self-serving. But it's true. I want you to know that Jesus, in Acts 20, 28, the Bible says that he shed his blood for the church. He gave himself wholly for the church, did he not? In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, he ever liveth, he, not night and day. There's no day, night with God he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying all the time for us. He's interceding all the time for us. Oh, to be like Jesus, we sing the song. Oh, that widow lady that gives herself completely to the Lord. Now, oh, I hear it just popped in my head. I got to be careful with the illustrations that I give, but I'm going to be. He just exits out of the message in case somebody hears this part here. But uh, I was picking a personal example in our church. Many of you remember Irene Tartaglino now. There's about a half a dozen or other eight, ten ladies I could, I could mention, but Irene is one of our more recent graduates to heaven. And uh, this is why this has got to be X'd out of the service here. You'll see in a second here. Uh, one day I got a call, and Irene would come up to the church here and work for hours, cleaning and vacuuming and, and dusting, and, and she did that for years. And she gave sacrificially to our church. I don't know what she gave, how much she gave, but she gave, I'm sure, it was into the thousands of dollars for sure. It's not a very limited income, of course. And uh, Irene gave and gave and gave. And one day, turned the tape off. 
One day, one of the, <laughs> I'm just teasing, but not really. Uh, one of her relatives called and chewed me out royally. What do you think you're doing? You're going to kill my mom. You're going to kill my, and it wasn't Pastor Gill, by the way. But one of the relatives called and said, and really, I mean, really give me a tongue lashing. And said, quit making our mom work so much. She's working too much. You're going to work her to death. And so I, had, I said, okay, I'll do something about it. So I went to Irene in stealth. And I said, Irene, maybe you're working a little bit too much around the church here, and maybe, maybe you need to take it easy for a little while. And she says, Pastor, did one of my kids call you? And I says, oh, blah, 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 blah. I tried, tried to lie to her, but I couldn't. And she says, tell me the truth, Pastor. I said, well, I, I, I cannot say. I'm not allowed to say. And she knew. She says, Pastor, I want to work at the house of God. She says, this is what I want to do. I want to, and uh, uh, I was thinking about it. If she could, she would have died here working for the house of the Lord. Why would I rob her of a blessing? That was good preaching. Somebody give me one amen. Amen, thank you. So devote her last year of her life to the church. So important. Then uh, letter B, what about godless widows? Well, there are godless widows. The Bible speaks about them. Not all, not all young widows are godless widows. In fact, hopefully a minority are, but some are for sure. Verse number six but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Well, that's a strange verse. What's that mean? Well, that word pleasure has to do with, it means luxuriously. Lives, lives in pleasure. Now, I'm not against having wealth. We're going to talk about rich men. You may be surprised when we get there. Uh, some of the things that I believe the Bible teaches in regards to riches. Sometimes we think, oh, riches are evil. We're told that every day in our so many people tell us that, how wicked it is to be, to be wealthy. That's ridiculous. We're going to a rich heaven, not a poor heaven. And God's a rich God. He's a rich king, not a poor king. And I want you to know that, but uh, he that liveth luxuriously, what's that mean? It means, in uh, the same word is found in James 5, 5. It says, ye have lived in pleasure on the earth. Mark 8, 36 says it this way. For what shall profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Translation, what does it mean here that she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth? That widow that maybe in modern day 2019 has been taken care of thanks to a husband that worked hard all his life or maybe she worked hard all her life, has maybe a pension or has social security or has retirement, maybe an inheritance, what have you. It would be easy to say, hey, I'm just going to live. I'm going to spend it all. I got all this money and it's time to eat, drink, and be merry. That would be just as wrong as, as not having anything and wishing you had everything. To have everything and to just flutter it all away. We ought to all be good stewards of what God has entrusted us with. And we ought to live properly and so forth. I'm not against wonderful vacations. I'm not against new cars. I'm not against nice houses. I'm against foolishly spending what God has entrusted us with uh, to, uh, for our own pleasures. The Bible speaks about that. Then we see in verse number uh, Verse number 11, for time's sake, let's get to the next bullet point if we could. The Bible says, verse number, or excuse me, verse number, uh, that's, that's right, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. Verse number 11, look what it says. But the younger widows refuse. Don't put them on the payroll, the church payroll. I'll let it down my garden and get real blunt. And I say this from time to time, but it needs to be known. And I don't want you to feel bad if you ever get straights and the heart, heart, heart up and so forth. And that's what church family's for. We've got to help one another. 
But if you only knew, if you were in my office and you were uh, my man the phone, if you know how many letters and how many requests and people that are walking off the street and looking for help, a handout. I want to believe every one of them. But if we gave, gave handouts to everyone that we'd, that's called us to help them, we would be broke. I tell you, we'd have to close our church doors down tomorrow, for that matter. We'd go out of business very fast. And the Bible says, but the younger widows refuse. Pretty blunt language. For when they have begun to wax wanton or bitter or unthankful against Christ, they will marry. Well, he's not taking care of me as good as I thought he was going to do. I think maybe I'll, I deserve better. They wax wanton. The Bible says don't put them on the payroll. Now that leads me to letter C here on the worksheet here, the church and their widows. What, what's our response? Well, first of all, back to verse number 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years. Now, that's not talking about don't let them become a member of the church. Of course, there can be members of the church. It's talking in the local church context. But it's talking about in the number of those that the church monetarily helps out. And so the Bible sets an age here. The Bible's age is 60. I don't know if that's a fast and hard rule in our day, but the Bible says... Some churches are very particular with this because the word of God is strict in this, not 60 years of age or, or not under 60 years of age, having been the wife of one man. And so set an age considering her disabilities. Now the verses that could be used, the Bible says in First Thessalonians 5, 14, uh, comfort the feeble-minded. I circled in my Bible the five ifs there. Five times we find the word if there. And uh, the Bible says, if, once again, if she hath brought up children, consider her devotion to her home. Secondly, consider the devotion to, uh, uh, to her hospitality, she, if she hath lodged strangers. Thirdly, her humility, if she hath washed the saint's feet. Uh, I have to be careful, but I got, pardon me, uh, I got diapers on the mind. <laughs> and we've got grandkids in the house right now. And uh, I saw the dirty diapers being changed yesterday. That's definitely a woman thing. Guys shouldn't have to do that. And I'm just teasing you. Guys don't do it. This guy doesn't do it a whole lot, that's for sure. And some of my, my, my daughters and my, my wife might chime in and say, you never do it. Well, it's been a while, I admit. But anyhow, I uh, think of uh, the humility that's taking care of diapers and taking care of uh, those in our older age, those that get into the older age as well. And I think you know where I'm going with that one. She washed the saints' feet. If she hath relieved the afflicted, that's her heart. If she have done diligently, if she have diligently followed every good work, there's her helpfulness. Her home, her hospitality, her humility, her heart, her helpfulness, her devotion. Then we get to verses 11 through 15. Notice it just quickly with me, and we'll summarize and be done here in just a couple minutes here. But the younger widows... Refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. They said, Lord, you take care of me. I'm a widow now. Maybe they made a vow, maybe a faithful vow, or maybe a foolish vow, one or the other. But they said, I'll never marry again. Now, by the way, that phrase, and it's, it's a worldly, earthly phrase, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. Never say never. Be careful what you say and the vows that you make. 
And uh, you may not, you may think you may think with your heart, and the heart is deceitful above every, all things. Who can know it? It may not be God's will, even though you think it's God's will. And so he says, and he doesn't condemn marriage. In fact, he condones it because he goes on to say in verse number, well, let me read verse number 13. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, gossips, speaking things which they ought not. I told you at the outset of this message, this is a practical message. This is in God spent 16 verses talking the practicality. Don't gossip. Don't be an idler. Don't, don't be a, a busybody. You've got better things to do in life. And it's so important. Verse number 14. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children. We have a society that's taught, taught teaching that women that have to bear children are being oppressed. That's so sad. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Guide the house. Let's be frank with this. Let's be honest about this. Most women have more opportunity to be with their child than, more, than men. Usually that's how it works. That's why the Bible says guide their house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproach, reproachfully. And so the last bullet point there is younger widows are to work or to get married, one or the other. Real, real practical. So let me give you some. It's not on the worksheet. ran out of room. Let me give you some takeaways or two takeaways or two action points, if you will, regards to the, what do we learn from this message. First of all, if you are a widow or a widower, spend your last days, months, years of life living for the Lord and for his church. And all God's people said, Amen. I hope that's your desire. Don't live for your kids. Don't live for your grandkids. You'll do that naturally anyhow. But live for the things of God. Put God first. This just popped in my head. I, I just, it's not my message. It just popped in. I don't know if I should say it or not, but I'm going to say it so it's tough. Here it goes. You know, in 33 years of pastoring, I don't believe, same church, I don't believe, uh, maybe there's one or two exceptions, and they're, they're very small. And I, have to, I can't give specific illustration because I, I, and I have them, but I can't give them. I don't think we've ever had a family ever put the church in their will. It's awfully quiet and I did that on purpose. All the kids are always in their will. But never the church. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, that church, they didn't make too much money. If you think that way, just keep your money. That's for sure. That's my pride. That's my flesh talking. But maybe my spirit too, I don't know. But honor you live for the Lord the last days of your life. And I, I, last time, I have to be careful how I say this. I want to live for my kids. I want to live for my grandkids. But I want to, that's secondary. They may all choose, oh, dread the thought, of not living for the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to keep on serving God. That's my plan. I'm not going to stray from that. I'm not going to go away from that. Because my first love is to the Lord. Your first love ought to be to the Lord, not to your family. That's, that can be idol worship. So action number one, if you're a widow or widower, live your last days for the Lord. Last little bullet point, last little action. Or, and that is, I just want to make a challenge, a general challenge, but I'd like to make it specific as we move forward. This has been a totally teaching message, I know that. We didn't preach on the second coming of Christ. We didn't preach on salvation. We didn't preach on heaven. didn't preach on hell. 
preach on widows. But we need to do a better job. You see, we've ceded our responsibility over to the Uncle Sam or to the state of Connecticut. And we need to do a better job as a church to take care of our own first, beginning with our widow ladies, beginning with our single ladies that never got married that are of elder age. We need to seek them out and realize that they might need somebody to help them. The last illustration, I'm done, I promise. But I'll never forget the, the funeral. I've had hundreds of them now. I don't have too many anymore. Nobody gets buried anymore, but that's another story. But I used to have a lot of funerals back a number of years ago. And uh, I had a funeral, and I went to one of our church deacons. We went to Hillside Cemetery. I've told the story many times. I felt so awkward. I was called by the state as a preacher to go and bury this person. I did. There was me, one deacon, and the funeral home director. And it was a cold, blustery winter day like last Sunday was. We stood out there in the freezing, and I thought, this is so silly. I'm going to read scripture and so forth. There's nobody here to hear this. There's a funeral home director that's heard this 10,000 times. And one of my deacons said, there's not a single loved one to meet. Not, not one single person. No man cared for his soul. And we, we, had, we ended up having a service anyhow. And the, in fact, the funeral home director kind of chatted me. He says, well, you should probably say something. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. And we just talked about the sanctity of life. And I, uh, how, how, but he had, there's somebody that died alone. How sad that is. That should never happen in the family of God. I'm so glad we're a part of the family of God. Well, let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, there are a number of shut-ins in our church body that are not here this morning. Some will listen to this message on, on tape or rather on, over the Internet. But Lord, uh, some have children and some have grandchildren. Some have wayward children and wayward grandchildren, and we're sorry for that. But Lord, help us to do our part as a church. Bless, Lord, your elderly ladies within our congregation, especially those that are widowed and widows indeed. Lord, I pray you bless in our moments of reflection and invitation this morning, we pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, let's take our hymn book and turn to please, uh, how about 157?